internet. Yo, stop your grinning and drop your linen. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I don't know which species is worse. You don't see them fucking each other over for a percentage. My name is Shahir Dowd. Welcome. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Aliens. Aliens with an S. 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 Yes. S for sequel. But much like like this being the sequel to Alien, now there's more than one Alien. There's more than one reviewer, more than usual in this room. I feel like today's kind of like show and tell. Okay. Because for the, the, as long as we've been running this podcast, I've been talking about a robot music video that I've been working on. You know, I'm not familiar (laughs) with that at all. the conversation about the robot. Sure. This week we launched the robot music video. Yes. And so I brought with me Yes. my two collaborators. Yes. Nigel Stanford, the yep. artist. Hello. And Timor Savan, the cinematographer. Hello. I thought you guys were going to yell get out get away from her you bitch <laughs> oh, to was me. That my cue. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll do it. Yeah. No, no, do it now. Do it now. Get away from her, you bitch. There we yeah. go. Yeah. We're off to the right start. Chills down my spine. Um, <laughs> Welcome, we, guys. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. you got, Timor, you listen to the podcast. I, I'm saying that like incredulously. Incredulously. Every time we get someone who listens to us, he's so fucking shocked. I like, feel like we do the podcast into like the ether and nobody, and it just kind of like is out there. I never feel like anyone listens we to us. We put it. out an okay product. People, <laughs> people enjoy it that accidentally find it. Dude, I I consume two per day that I work because I have an hour drive in <laughs> and an hour's drive home. And so where, where do you fit on the spectrum of Matt to Shahir? Like where, I mean, if there was like... I enjoy fun, but I also like smart. So mm. I'm right in the middle. He's the perfect fusion, Shahir. We might have to kill him. <laughs> right. It's like if he and I, if you and I had a child who grew up at the same time as us. Exactly. <laughs> time paradox. Yeah. Nigel too, buddy. Hey. hey, nice to meet you finally. I've seen you uh, I've seen you in the video, the aforementioned video, and it's nice to put an actual person to a, a, to a, to a celebrity <laughs> on the screen. Oh, I am an actual person, yeah. <laughs> but Nigel, we have been, you and I have worked together, uh, well, all the three of us have worked together now on uh, two different music videos. We worked on a third-ish right now. Um, but... Y- we kind of have a mutual love of a James Cameron, b of science fiction cinema. I think every time we get together to talk about a music video, the first reference points we always come to are are something science fiction. Is is that kind of your 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 bag? That's where you're kind of about. I love it. That's that's my favorite genre of movie. And yeah, we <laughs> always uh, for some reason we spend endless hours. Well, we we've been working together now for nearly four years, and we've made two and a quarter of videos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But but so I I mean I I'm kind of half a science fiction guy. I kind of like science. I only like like kind of like I like aliens, but I don't love like um, I don't know. I'm not a big Star Trek fan, for example. I'm not a Star Wars fan. What Boo. where where what what are you kind of into? Like you know, I feel like I know, but for our listeners, you know, for me, the reason I like sci-fi is it's just real life and drama, but it's in the future. So, right. you know, I, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I love the movies. You know, they're they're fun. They're enjoyable. But they're like, they're also like magic. You know, right. it's like, oh, there's the force and there's like lightsabers that look ridiculous. You know, how are you stopping bullets <laughs> with lightsabers? And right, right, know, right. They're, they're, they're like traveling at the speed of light and you're swinging it, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Whereas like sci- hard sci-fi is like, you know, it doesn't have to actually be fantastical at all. You know, I'm not so into like hobbits and dwarves and right, right, magic right. and things like that. But sci-fi is like it could be reality. It's just a hundred years from now. More right. the sci than the fi at that point. Yeah, yeah. 
And and we've kind of, I think, you know, like the interesting thing um, that I wanted to bring up is like when we, so we shot Cymatics, which is a, a music video, maybe some of our listeners have seen where we did uh, real science experiments that made uh, music. Um, and it was, you know, I'm going to say that fairly successful. It did well. I liked I mean, it. It, it. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Were you, Nigel, were you the guy jumping in the chain mail, getting zapped by the Tesla coil? Um, I am in the chain mail getting zapped, but the actual final jump was done by a guy who's a dancer because, you know. Fair enough. I don't have that agility to like. You know, and I will say, it. I made that person do it five times, and afterwards he was like, "I feel a little woozy right now." I was yeah. like, "How would you feel about doing another one?" Um, he had to go home. I he did yeah. have to go home in a stretcher. <laughs> um, but so uh, it was, moder- you know, it was pretty successful. I, I'd like to think it was, and then it's successful enough to warrant kind of a follow up, which is automatic of the video that we released this week, the robot music video that we've been talking about for a while. And I remember um, when we were on set, and I think. You know, we talked about this a little bit because Automatica was slightly kind of a step further into the fantastical, uh, even though it is still based on real robots playing music. There was a lot of work done in terms of getting the these robot performers, these KUKA robots to actually play the correct notes. There's a the the last part of the video, if you've gone and seen it by this point, uh, gets slightly into the more science fiction-y world that, we're, that we've been talking about, which is why we wanted to talk about aliens. And I remember on set, I think the first thing I said was, you know, to the crew when we, when we landed, was like, today we're going to do cymatics by way of James Cameron. Now, I wasn't saying that I'm James Cameron. I'm just saying we were kind of like mm, well, looking at that thing. He was implying. I was, yeah. I was implying that I'm a brown James Cameron. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think we were all excited by the idea of doing kind of a big action-y kind of peace in the vein of James Cameron that and there's we, lasers and explosions and, there's lasers you know, explosions. things like this yeah. and just for and just for everybody at home it was shot shooting robots with robots yeah so, if you see the BTS you'll understand that the camera was actually on the big Megillah monster 40 ton robot which was the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life but and Timor, um, well, getting to you, Timor, you've shot both these videos now. Yes. Like, well, and I think uh, every time we see you on set when we're doing something like this, you have this big ear-to-ear grin on your yeah. face. And <laughs> yeah, robots, man, <laughs> hot robot on robot action. <laughs> yeah, what I'm it, yes. <laughs> what's what's your like? You're you're obviously an incredibly talented cinematographer. What but what what do you love in cinema? Like, where where do you where do you stand? We've talked about fun and and not being stupid, which is obviously. A dig at Matt, not um, me, but I uh, disagree. Well, just just like a super quick background. I mean, I, I came from the arts. You know, right, I was a sculptor. So, for me, anything that <laughs> I guess you could say the more difficult, the better. Yeah, because nothing good ever comes easy. You right. Know? Yeah. So if you if you say yes, we're going to shoot this uh, music video at one tenth speed and then mm. play it back at real time and then shoot it again on the giant robot. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, yes, we're going to do that. Gonna, I'm going to have to invent ways of doing things that we haven't figured out before. And Nigel's going to sit at a computer for 11 months programming things to work perfectly at one-tenth speed, you know? And, and so what uh, What Timor's talking about is the fact that in, in, in essence, and this is something that I think uh, I love about James Cameron's work as well, is that we kind of came up with a weird shooting style where the robots that you see in Automatica can't, I mean... They can move at the speed that they're moving at in real life, but unfortunately, in order to do that, they need to be anchored into the ground with concrete, and that's something we couldn't do. So in order to fake that or to to cheat that, we would shoot them at one-tenth their speed, 
and then play it back in uh, at 25 frames so you saw you, so you kind of got the the estimation of motion that would be realistic yeah we, we shot at two and a half frames right it was almost time lapse well we, we would sense. do a big mixed bag of them they, you know like for every shot we did in automatica i think they would i think roughly there would be at least an hour prep for every single shot where Nigel would be saying, well, we need to do this shot in two and a half frames and then it's 25 frames and then at 12 frames. And then we'd kind of like make the math work. Was that kind of your, your recollection of it all? Or Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's certain things the robots are doing real time and there's other ones one fifth speed and, <laughs> you know, and then I have to walk in front of them in real time. So the camera robot has to be programmed to do that move slow and then do the exact same move fast. And hopefully later on you can stitch it together and, I look like I'm in front of the robots. <laughs> the We're saddest, the the saddest part of the whole thing, Nigel, was that we never got to use the sound the camera robot made. Well, I th- what they, sound did the camera uh, robot make? It made the most beautiful, yeah. perfect science fiction robot noises. You, it was like, you know. Aww. I'm sure like, we have that. Was, yeah, yeah, no, I'm pretty, I, I, it Nigel, was you actually did use some of that. You like mixed in some of that. I, I mixed in uh, the robots that we shot on on in front of the camera, but I'm sure there's some behind the scenes one. We can get that sound and uh, we can <laughs> splice it into this. Uh, I can listen to that all day if you really want to do that. And I do could listen to it all day long. Like every, and I don't know if you guys were aware, but like every time the robot would fire up, the entire camera crew would gather around me and they go, "Oh my god, here it comes! Here it comes!" Here it comes. <laughs> and then like it would start making the amazing noise, and everybody would just go. Yes. <laughs> so this is how we all lose our jobs. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> hey, let's just get, let's keep training them. No, the my question sort of to you guys, uh, I guess it's to all three of you. I don't really want to interview Shira. Yeah, I see yeah, him all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, so this, this, in this music video, the robots eventually, as the music is being played, uh, and again, this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen this video yet, stop this now and watch the video. Um, but they start to become a little bit more sentient. than machines, sentient, if you will. <laughs> I, now working because I've I've heard Shahir's accounts of you know how fucking complicated it was to make these robots play music and do the things you made them do in even with the camera too the camera robot did you ever have moments with using this technology where you actually started to get even an inkling of that sort of idea like oh shit this is where Skynet comes from like did they ever do something that shocked you in that way. Actually, no. There. Yeah. Is, Thank God you yeah. answered exactly how I wanted. Yeah. What's funny is that what you what I realized going through the whole thing is just how goddamn stupid they are. <laughs> you know, like they would. It, it was literally a solid block of metal until you programmed into it exactly what it needed to do. Gotcha. And there was a person running a computer from 1994 <laughs> running MS DOS because that's the only program that runs the giant robot computer arm thing. <laughs> Who had to sit there plotting coordinates in space manually, yeah. like like with a like she had like a slide rule and a chart. Yeah. Wow, and was plotting them in and like moving the camera up two inches took twenty minutes because she had to replot the entire line. And, and it was every time we would get there, it was it was hey, I would say, mm, can we <laughs> can we come up three inches? And she would look at me and go, okay. Yes. <laughs> and then she was like, I'll need a minute. And yeah. then you just hear. <laughs> wow for like 20 minutes and then it was perfect all right i think this is the i mean i've worked on a few music videos now this is the one music video where i've seen the most calculators on set yeah. at any one time like every time we did a move it, there was there was calculus and, and nigel and i would argue a lot about our respective math on we nearly came to blows a couple of times, <laughs> times. oh math fight yeah it was a math <laughs> fight <laughs> i was like this is gonna work if we change the frame rate to this and this and, and um yeah. 
It, it all worked out in the end, but it took a long time. It, it took a long time. And but I it's think stress. to Timor's point as well is that that these robots we do use can be algorithmically programmed to do certain things sure. uh, in re- in response to outside stimuli, so they can actually. And and we were very cautious with these robots because. If they do swing it at their full speed, they can kill you. They will kill you. <laughs> and so we were, we were like always, you know, keep at least ten feet away from the robots whenever, whenever anyone's doing any operation around them. Um, I think we heard a story very unfortunately that that because these robots are, are often um, deployed in factories. Um, a week after we'd actually shot Automatica, one of the uh, somebody who might have been close to one of these robots was killed. Not in in, uh, in not even in America. Um, not that that makes it any better. <laughs> yeah, was, oh, thank, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One less American down. <laughs> um, but you know these these robots are particularly dangerous. But to Timo's point, I think the way in which we were using them was a was fairly sort of move here, then here, then here, and and being robots, you know, uh, in the sort of tactical definition of that term, they moved there to there to there. Right. Uh, right. But with zero regard for what was in the way. Oh, of course. During. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I would want. I, I like my robots that yeah, way. I, don't I, want I believe, them I believe you had told me a story, Nigel, that you had misprogrammed one of the downstrokes and it pushed its way through a keyboard and through a table. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. But one of the robots, um, you, you program them at like super slow speeds and you run your your um, your program and make sure nothing hits something else. And then you can run it at full speed. And this one time I was running it at slow speed and the battery ran out of my camera and I got distracted. And when I looked back. The robot had hooked itself under the other one and lifted it off the ground. Oh, these, and I was like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and these are what, thirty thousand dollar robots, yeah. each of them. Or? Well, I didn't own, own the robots, of course, and um, <laughs> they were pretty scratched. But uh, <laughs> Kuka, luckily, never tried to charge me for that. So there's a scene in the music video where you see two robots at a turntable, and their arms kind of cross over each other, and they happen to be only like a millimeter apart. And what Nigel has to do is basically do the measurements of like where they're standing and how far the reach is. And if he gets that a couple of millimeters wrong, those robots hit each wow. other. And as, and as he just described, they can pick each other up um, and kill a human being. So, okay. Uh, if well, you program them to do that. Yeah. yeah if, you pro- <laughs> if we wanted to, we could program them to kill someone. You know, they're, they're like a dumb arm, but you could program anything, you know, artificially intelligent in your computer that's controlling them and and they could you know be the extension of something with intelligence but i don't have the intelligence to program something like that so just, these, these were just following my little moves to just, just to that point i wanted to say something about uh nigel's work in the videos which is that i, I think it's something that not a people not a lot of people actually realize is that nigel spends a lot of the time kind of uh, so with cymatics it was kind of creating the experiments and then taking the notes and then creating a piece of music afterwards which right. is unusual for a music video in Automatica, it was slightly a sort of similarish process. Although the interesting thing is, is that with these robots, um, they they're playing the exact notes that you hear. However, they're playing like if you actually heard them on set, they they sound generally pretty awful because that's that thing that humans can do that robots can't do, which is that robots can't have nuance when they're playing a string or something like that, or they can't you know if they're playing a piano, they they just hit the note like like a knock, whereas, you know, Nigel's got to take that note and turn it into something that has like detail and nuance. And I think that's something that kind of people miss a lot of the times is that you're basically interpreting the language or the way a robot would play an instrument into something that sounds good to human beings, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I would, yet. Affirmative. <laughs> Robots can't do that yet. 
There, I we when one we, day when we were uh, doing research, we did a lot of research for the video. We went up to uh, the MIT Media Lab and we we talked to a lot of um, roboticists mm. who were working in that field. And there was a lot of interesting conversations about like what makes, for example, Yo Yo Ma when he plays a cello, what are the unique properties that make a Yo Yo Ma His cello? Specific, yeah. yeah, say, and it's and it has to do with things like the way in which he holds the cello, how closely he holds it to his body. The, micro movement, micro like muscle. Yeah, sort of. how strong his left arm is compared to his right arm for whatever reason, you know, like things, details like that, right. which robots, you know, are dumb. I'm just, so proud of you. You didn't make a joke about masturbation. You came this close. <laughs> I, was, I saw it. I saw it in your I, fucking eyes I came, and he didn't do it. I was this close that I realized I was going to make a masturbation joke about Yo-Yo Ma, which is like, <laughs> yeah, just the, yeah, this is how long we've wait, done this, guys. He, I can, I can on, watch his face. Shahir makes jokes. Oh, uh, attempted. attempted. Yeah, attempted jokes. Attempted. Usually cut them out. My last, my last <laughs> question. Uh, I, I was thinking about this when I watched it because I'm this guy. Uh, did you guys name the robots? I know you worked with two. Did oh. you ever name no, them? No, we had three. Oh, yeah, three. three. Sorry. Robots. Yeah. They were just zero, one, and two, unfortunately. Binary. But, they were named but binary. you know, well, that's almost by <laughs> two is like way off the yeah. binary chart, but that's almost yeah, appropriate. So you mean zero, one, zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's probably not right, but no, no. No, because I feel like if you name them, you're absolutely right. If you name them, then you're inviting the kind of terror I was asking about beforehand. You just kept it real and kept it about your job. And well, I at least we didn't name them Abbott and Costello. Oh, yeah. Uh, like another movie uh, yeah, review. Yeah, recently. like Arrival. Yeah. Yeah. Tim was holding back his thoughts. Apparently, he was yelling at us when we were absolutely <laughs> screaming at my dashboard. Oh no! Do you want to do your one, your one, your one liner, your, your one line review of uh, of Arrival? No, because somebody here hasn't seen it, and he's uh, already threatened our lives with. He's threatened our lives with. All right, letting out spoilers. Fair enough. So, to everyone who's listening, and if you are uh, want to write us in with specific movies that you'd like us to see, please write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail Hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod or uh, check out our website at. Uh, um, well, at com, where you can request movies like Aliens. We did this specifically because uh, we wanted to get the three of us together um, to talk in relation to the release of Automatica. And we wanted to talk specifically about a movie that we all kind of are passionate about. Um, but you can request movies, uh, you know, if, if you wanted us to watch, for example, I've been trying to get Matt to watch Santantago, San the seven and a half hour film from... From Bellatar for a while. Yeah. If someone is bold enough to sure. request that, uh, sure. We will or do that. maybe someone could help me out next Christmas, and we could do Jingle all the way. Um, Not but gonna happen. Well, here's here's the deal, Shahir. You after uh, the Assassin's Creed thing, which you you, you yeah, jumped I, away from. Yeah. You you owe me at this point. So oh. you're going to you. I will I will make sure that this this debt gets are paid. We by definition, picking a movie that's going to be terrible. Is that what we're saying? No, we're just picking one that's going to be awesome that you'll hate. Right. right. Um, that but, never happens. But, but that. This is not what we're all here to speak about today. We're talking about James Cameron's follow-up to Ridley Scott's 1979, I would argue, masterpiece at this point. Sure. Uh, Ridley Scott's film, yes. Alien. <laughs> Timor leaned in. Had the fucking da the dagger eyes at you. <laughs> Timor leaned in, and he, yeah, he really had dagger eyes about that, about Alien. So we're talking about LV-426, the the alien planet, which uh, uh, a few uh, the the crew members of the Nostromo had to land upon. I'm st I'm still talking about Ridley Scott's film um, and discovered and discovered an a an alien species, which uh, then causes havoc uh, upon the Nostromo crew, leaving one survivor, Sigourney Weaver, uh, 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 Ellen Ripley, and a cat, and a cat. Oh, Jonesy, uh, well, Jonesy, yeah. Jonesy, the orange cat. Yeah. I 
So how how long was the difference? It was like ten years between. So they had to get a new fat cat, right? And you, I'm seven, sure, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So yeah. a new ginger cat, I'm sure, would have to appear. It's fine. It looked very similar. Yeah. The, the, whoever was <laughs> there's the a lot of close ups of the cat. I whoever know. was the cat wrangler uh, did yep. follow up. Well, was a very pretty cat. Mm-hmm. Was a very pretty cat. This has been the only podcast yeah, about Ripley's cat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're talking about the nineteen. What year was it? Eighty six. Eighty six follow up. Uh, directed by one James Cameron, a person who we've referenced many times on this podcast, yes. I believe at this point. Not Shahir pretending to, to be, be James, James Cameron. Cameron. Shahir, uh, James Dowd Cameron. Yeah. Um, where uh, Ellen Ripley is discovered, uh, her floating hibernation pod is discovered, and through a series of events is required to return back to LV-426 in order to save some uh, colonizers who have been on the planet for the last 20 years from a potential alien threat. So, gentlemen, what is your opinion of aliens? Well, what's your feeling about the whole yeah, alien mythology? Yeah. I mean, there, there are five films deep, not counting the Alien versus Predator films. Those don't exist. The Alien versus Predator films don't exist, right? Well, are we counting Prometheus as one of them? Yeah, that's yes, the fifth. Yes. Okay. Because see, here's the thing with Prometheus, and I, I liked a lot of Prometheus. I just thought that they were so like in the beginning, and maybe it was just sort of the 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 media rollout of the film or whatever it was. But they were like, no, this is not this is not about aliens. <laughs> and then like it obviously was. Yeah. And then they're like, okay. So I always had a little bit of a like a, a a sore spot. I was just like, so you wanted to get away from it, and then you literally didn't, and then you're like, oh, it's fine now. So that's like, the, and that might be the the marketing of it and whatnot, but like, it just always bugged me that he was like, Nope, this isn't about that. This is something else. Of course it's not. Yeah. There's a lot of things about Prometheus that, uh, it's actually funny is there's a little bit of a, of a tale to it is that, um, it was during, it came out during the boom of the, the 3d movies. Uh, It's a beautiful 3d movie. Yeah. It was great in 3d. Fuck 3d. Yeah. Um, I think you and I saw it. It was, you know, it was in 3d and you know, blah, blah, blah and all this shit. But, this is what's interesting is, and and Prometheus was ostensibly a terrible film. Um, it it, it didn't 50 on that. It had terrible moments. But I hated it when I saw it in the theater, right? <laughs> Six, eight months later, came out on Blu-ray, was watching with my friend, and we went and we watched the deleted scenes. There's like 35 minutes of movie that was cut out. That's finished and graded. <laughs> Does it make sense? Absolutely. It's a phenomenal movie when you put all the deleted shit back in. But wow. it was limited because you cannot watch 3D for more than two hours. Your eyes hurt. Oh, shit. So the fucking studio hobbled this movie at wow. the knees. And you could, and if you go back and watch Ridley Scott's like interviews about the movie, he's sitting there with this scowl of disgust that they cut basically everything that makes sense about the movie out of the movie. Wow. Now I'm, I, I only take, some I, mean, not ex- everything. I, I take it's a not little perfect. exception to that. It's not perfect, but it's makes, it at least makes sense. Did they cut out Shirley Theron running in a zigzag pattern away from the giant rolling <laughs> thing? Or was that always just going to run that fucking, that track marathon? I think it just ran the track. God marathon. damn it. The only thing I take exception with there is that a, um, Ridley Scott is a filmmaker known to release multiple versions of his film. And one thing that kind of starts to irk me a little bit with him as a filmmaker right. is that I feel like at some point during the editing process, he loses control of his film. And, and, and this is Ridley Scott we're talking about. He's among the bearded white men greats that, that rule, you know, <laughs> uh, blockbuster Hollywood cinema as we know it. Um, so I always find it a little difficult sometimes to believe that a person like Ridley Scott, you know, is always is always uh, hobbled by the studio because 
every film he does, you know, like you look at Kingdom of Heaven has a director's cut, which is profoundly different to the theatrical version. Blade Runner is another film. Alien is another film. You know, uh, Prometheus is another film. Every a lot of movies he does seems to have like this alternate director's cut, which is which is always superior to the film. But I, I'm finding it. I always find it hard to believe that that you know, like a studio goes to Ridley Scott. You know, your really good version that you like, we don't like it. You know, I, I just I 100 percent believe that. I mean, I, and then I, I, why would there the be two reason, versions otherwise? Maybe he doesn't have the time to finish it correctly. Yeah, that's what I th- comes I, out. And right, then it's got another year, and he gets it right. And I would yeah, take that's, that. That's as, what I think it is. But that's still, than. in my opinion, that's still hindrance from the studio. Do you know what I mean? Because if if right. yeah, they they're like, get it out by get the it out 13th. now, and he's like, we need I it can't. out now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but so it's I just the same I just tend to think he he probably it seems like he has some. There's some issue that happens in editing with him where, where I think it's what Nigel says, which is that he makes the movie he makes, and then a year later he's like, actually, that thing I took out, I probably shouldn't have took out. I think it's a time thing. I think it's all the... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's the that's the It it's happens the so yeah. much with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, he, he wants to make three-hour movies, yeah. and studios don't want to sell three-hour movies because that's one less showing But if day. we look at a person like James Cameron, who's on the opposite side of that spectrum, who, who basically had this director's cut issue happen with the film we're talking about, you know, later on went to make make three hour movies that were incredibly successful. And, you know, people like Peter Jackson do as well. I mean, it just I, I just I, I take a little bit of exception to that, to, to this notion that that it's Ridley Scott being hobbled by the studio. But given that it happens so often with him, you know, like there's so many of his major works are, you know, there's a director's cut. I, and, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And and there, I'm sure that there's an element. I mean, look, we don't know. We, not, I, I have I'm no idea. I'm speculating. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, whole nonsense fool thing too. Fool me five because, times. Because, because yeah. he probably goes in and b- either believes or thinks he'll be able to do it in the time constraint that he wants. And then all of a sudden, like the, the, the deal that he signed, like, yes, I will get this movie finished by this date is up. And he's like, oh, crap. Like, that's what it feels like. And then he probably acts as though, uh, oh, I can't do whatever. And like, and then, but on the other side, it's the 3D thing is very interesting because yeah, I think it was more of just a technical constraint. I didn't realize that about two hours and, and yeah, there's like a. I mean, that's people just start to vomit. That's just, yeah, it's, it's it's uncomfortable it's after a long period of time. It's difficult on your eyes after a while. Well, and, but but hang on, wasn't Avatar like super long? Yeah, Avatar was three hours. I, don't know, yeah, and I had your... a fucking headache at the end. Of <laughs> I had a headache with Avatar just based on its plot. Um, <laughs> but that's neither here Polka nor there. Yeah, yeah, or Fern Gully, or Dances with Wolves. You can just we're mash them about, all together. We're going to talk about Avatar a lot. I feel in the co- in the course of our conversation with aliens. Oh, no, good. we're not. Yeah, we are. No, we're not. The only thing we'll Team really one. say <laughs> is, uh, let's is just, let's just make a rule here. <laughs> aliens, aliens is good, and Avatar, Avatar bad. is bad. I think we. I, I want to get to why Avatar has problems. Um, but what, hang on, what, which movie are we reviewing? We're gonna review aliens and i'm gonna i'm gonna give my opinion because i want you guys to to have more time than me um but uh i absolutely adore aliens i didn't I, the, the funny thing with me is i watched alien 3 first um oh, with, out of all of them uh, out of all of them that's the, and it's it's still the one i've watched most and that and that's not because i think it's the best one it's just that when i was younger it was the one that i had recorded on vhs off tv and so i would just have a copy of it all the time so i would watch it often i actually like that one i know I a like lot of alien, people hate yeah. it but i i don't hate it at all that i hated my... it when i was little when i watched it when i was little i was like this is weird and boring and kind of scary yeah. and i don't really get it because i didn't really yeah. catch all the stuff Rewatching it now i think it's great i yeah. really do I like mean, it unfortunately <laughs> unlike all the others the special effects did not hold up no. right. in Alien 3. Yeah. And uh, it's it, a which smaller weird. film, weirdly enough, than Aliens was. Like, yeah. Aliens has action. Yeah. yeah. And Aliens 
I because I, I watched it on the special edition Blu-ray <laughs> thing, you know, the like the highest remastered. And I remember looking at it and being like, if they release this today, it would look it would be amazing. I would look at it and go, fuck, these guys did a great job. Yeah, it's it it's what's remarkable about aliens is is how well it holds up today. Oh. And not just from a visual and a fixed point of view. But the thing that that always strikes me, you know, because that's what James Cameron is known for. He's known for this. He's this guy who can like who pioneers 3D, who who made the morphing effect, you know, the little uh, the the liquid, the liquid, liquid middleman in, in Terminator 2, uh, came up with the robotic stop motion in Terminator. He's sort of known for his ability to to wrangle a fix together. But what I'm always struck by is is something um, that he's not as well known for, um, you know, like even people look at Titanic today as a dated movie about, you know, like the way in which it treats human relationships feels very like movie like, but the way in which he does this narrative about a mother who's lost her child, who then has to take on a surrogate child in aliens, um, I think is remarkably subtly well handled. It's something Absolutely. that it's, mm-hmm. it's something that I think it, to me, it is the, it is the thing that makes this movie work. Oh, with, with, without you know, question, yeah. Without question, this is... And so, uh, you know, the thing about James Cameron that I think people always forget is he's a really exceptional writer. Occasionally, he can... He's exceptional in that he writes big movies with with real heart. And I think that's that's something we don't see a lot of today. Um, you know, really, From him either. From him either, yeah. And I think... The thing for, uh, if we're going to talk, if we just quickly jump to Avatar, Avatar to me, the problem with Avatar is it's a lot of repeated ideas that, that James Cameron has done in other movies and he's done them better in other movies. Um, so that, that's kind of why I, I think Avatar doesn't work as well. Um, but Aliens, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the, the main takeaway is that, that human element to it that I absolutely adore. The second is the sense of escalation that he, ha- he can do better than most action movie directors can do which is that which is that when a when a um, the movie escalates from one threat to the next there is a real sense that the story is expanding and opening up for a meaningful reason it's not just oh we you know we had a, a sort of five people sit um sit piece here we're going to have to do a 20 people sit piece here right. it's more that scenes escalate for a real genuine reason so um and, and then on top of that i i actually really do believe that um, Alan Ripley in this movie is the greatest action hero that's ever been. Written. I absolutely actually you know? was funny as I posted that on, yeah. on Facebook the other day. All right. I was like, you know, Ellen Ripley is in my opinion, the best hero out of all of them because <laughs> she's the one that, you know, by herself yeah. in the middle of a melting down nuclear plant. I mean, maybe this goes into <laughs> spoiler territory, I suppose. Yeah, this one's a little bit, <laughs> but long. you know, you know, they, they steal her chi- that, you know, the, the bad guy steals her child. She loads up. Yeah. She gets does in the, gets in the fucking elevator by her goddamn self. And we believe says, that, you know. says to the robot flying the ship circle around. Mm. I'll be back in five minutes. And you know what? She's back in five minutes <laughs> with the child. And I completely the, believe it as well. You know, like that's the thing. Well, the, I want, we'll get into sort of the believability of this film after mm. in a little bit, because I do hundred percent agree. Nigel, what about you? Did you have a, did you have a history with this franchise at all? Um, I did, you know, and I'm, I love movies, but I'm, not i was never enough of a nerd about it to like sure. have um you know posters on the wall don't say it like it's a bad thing no, no. or to be in a podcast about <laughs> it but this movie i saw aliens first i didn't see alien till after aliens okay. i didn't see alien 3 till years after it came out for some reason um i saw aliens it was the only movie i ever saw twice in the theater 
Wow. Yeah. Oh. And I bought a magazine which had like pictures of that because I just thought the actual aliens were so interesting to yep. look at and you don't actually get to see them very much. They're, like, no. they're on screen for half a second in this movie until, you know, right at the end. Um, and then I also had the novelization of the screenplay, nice. oh, really? which is really interesting because there's a couple of deleted scenes that they shot and I've seen pictures of that are not in the special edition. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And so I, I was just in love with this, with this, uh, film and I had nightmares about it as well, but <laughs> I, just for whatever reason, everything kind of felt believable and like it was this, you know, future world that I kind of wanted to be in, but was also terrified by. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it and I think. Everything James Cameron did after that for the next three or four movies was was amazing. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what about rewatching it now? Rewatching it now, I kind of when I started, I, I watched it last night, and I I thought, oh, I, some of the initial scenes, some of the acting was a little bit off. Mm -hmm. The thing that's actually most dated to me is the sound. Like you you hear lines that you can't, you know, it, the microphone's too far clearly, away. And yeah, it's clearly an ADR line. There's a lot, yeah. The ADR is like less believable than today, and they didn't have um, digital compositing. But you know, after like three or four scenes, I, I instantly felt like you're right. This could come out today, and nothing about it would feel like even the rear projection shots of things exploding in the yeah. background. You can tell like, like contrast isn't quite right um, to nerd out about the effects <laughs> yeah. for a second. Um, you kind of it just works, and it, yeah. it, it kind of it's organic, and exactly. it feels kind of real. Yeah. There's it some just looks it exactly organic is the correct word. It just feels like it's a living thing, and it feels all consistent. I think consistency, especially if we're looking at an '86 movie done very well, but then watching it today in 2017, like the fact that even the the rear projective stuff that you're talking about, or all the stuff, just feels every no, no effect feels dip like. Lame. Uh, lame or different enough to take you out of like you're in it you watch it for the first 10 minutes you're like oh this is the world i'm presented and that has to do with art direction that has to do with all the way they did the effects you know etc like this movie has such a nice it's packaged so well with what it does uh and i completely agree with that and i was lucky to come along at a time before cg yeah so much because oh, alien yeah. 3 obviously doesn't stack up with its cg and it had stop motion stuff in it too. Yeah, didn't, yeah. The compositing was really bad. Yeah, right. In Alien Three or yeah, in Alien Three, it looked yeah. really bad. But the compositing stuff in Aliens was beautiful. It's funny. I have a book about uh, James Cameron that I got uh, many years ago. Um, just a, it's sort of a cheapish biography of them. But he, he did talk about the fact that if he if he remet, if he was asked to do Aliens now, it would all be CG, and he thinks that inherently the film would probably be lesser for it because the amount of work that they put into like making the alien queen, for example, um, probably, you know, and the fact that, that when you were on set, you had this alien queen that was this size running, you know, kind of moving towards you. And for the other actors, it was kind of like, there was this visceral sense that something is coming towards you. And, you know, you felt it, the presence of it in the room. It wasn't you know, a it was, tennis ball on a pole. No, it wasn't you a tennis ball. You know what's funny yeah. though, there, and I'd never seen it before until I like, the garbage saw it on the blu-ray no there's one shot when you first are introduced the first shot of the queen when the mouth comes out yeah, and she yeah. actually realized that it's oh shit it's an alien it's a really big one yeah there's a second shot right after when the mouth first comes out where she's basically screaming you know roaring or hissing or whatever it is that it does and the neck foam rubber opens for a second yeah, right. and you see a big like metal girder on the inside oh uh, man and I was like no oh. it's not real there's <laughs> you know? so much KY it's actually KY, KY lube, lube yeah. on them that it's like you can uh, you kind of just buy into yeah. the whole thing but Timor what did you what's we, give us, yeah give us your aliens 
story, bruh. Ah, <laughs> well, you see, it's funny as as everything comes back to Star Wars on the only podcast oh, in that movie. God, um, go. yes. <laughs> as and it, it measurably, I've seen Star Wars at least a thousand times. Right. Because as a child, I watched it twice a day, every day, from ages <laughs> three to six. There was a morning session and an afternoon session. A morning session and an afternoon session. It was my babysitter. <laughs> you know, self-imposed babysitter. <laughs> right. My, I still have the VHS tape and it's threadbare. Like the <laughs> tape is clear at this right, point. Right, right. Wow. Um, so Star Wars is, I have a stronger religious affiliation with Star Wars than I do with whatever my parents raised me as. <laughs> However, aliens. Well, you can't remember. Because you were too busy watching Star Wars. You can't, Wars. You can't compete with that amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But when I was a little kid, I watched aliens. And I was always terrified of monsters and scary stuff. Would lose sleep over it, you mm -hmm. know, throwing up in the middle of the night out of fear. You know, just uh, the monsters under my bed. Um, And I wanted to get over that, I suppose. So I asked my parents, can I watch aliens? Because it was the scariest thing ever made. Right. And they were looked at me like, son, you crazy. You know, right. like, what are you doing? You know, were you kind of using the snake poison kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I figured, like, fuck it. If I'm going to do this, let me jump in head first right. and just see what this thing is about. Because I think it was scarier not having seen it and knowing that this movie existed. Yeah. Than it was to just sit down and watch it. Right. So I sat down and watched it. And by the end, I was like, again. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I need to see that thing again. It was beautiful. Like and Nigel had remarked that mm -hmm. how beautiful. I mean, it is, you know, HR, Gizur, you know, it's, it's the most beautiful thing you know that anyone's ever thought of it's this bizarrely oh sexual, the alien itself the alien itself yeah, I mean, yeah. the animal you know mm. the creature the xenomorph which yeah. i hate that word i but, love that word i hate that fucking oh word. <laughs> but it's like it's this conceptually pure terror but it's like glossy and made of glass and plastic and steel and it's wet for some reason. Yeah. And it's like the Cadillac of monsters. Yeah, it's it's like, really why is you And it's like in my head as a kid, I'm like, why is it always wet? Yeah. Like, where's this liquid coming from? You know? It's sweating. It's yeah. sweating. Yeah. It must be really hot. Yeah. <laughs> Every time it kills someone at the end of it, it just sits down and is like, like God. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh. I need a beer. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, so I watched Alien a lot and I, you know, got really into the artwork of, you know, HR Geiger. Yeah. Energy. Giger. See, I Giger. learned it was Giger was, was the way I was taught. He's he's Dutch, right? Or Swedish? Uh, Swiss. Swiss. Okay. Um, we'll say Geiger. How about yeah. That? And so, like, you know, I, I I got really into the artwork, which led to other things, and really developed a love of science fiction, which led me to Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. And then I learned that Blade Runner and Aliens were made by the same person. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As like a twelve year old, I was like, what? I felt like I was in on some secret. You know, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like. None of my friends know who this Ridley Scott man is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, you know, for me, Aliens has always been part of my life. I mean, I, I if you go back to my sketchbooks when I was a kid, it's it's literally cover to cover drawings alien. of Alien. Yeah, yeah. Alien eating a person. Alien having a pet dog. Alien, you know, flying mm. through space on yeah. a you know motorbike. You know, like, <laughs> it's all this ridiculous. Thing. It was just Aliens all day. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, watching. And then coming back as an adult and watching the films and realizing, especially after I got into the film industry, realizing just how well-made they actually are. Right. It wasn't just, you know, oh, this is entertaining to watch. Like, I started understanding that the reason I must have attached to it as a kid was because it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and something I note, and every time I watch it, I see something else. The one thing I noticed watching it last night was one of the best instances of nonverbal storytelling mm -hmm is the moment when alien grab uh, i mean uh, ripley grabs newt 
yeah. and stumbles into the egg Into room. the egg, yeah. And it's, she looks- It's five minutes she, of silence. Yeah, and she fucking looks at the queen and then her and the queen- Have a moment. Have a, oh, they have, have a moment. A, a long moment. Yeah. And they go back and forth a few times. Yeah, because what happens is the- uh, the the queen's henchmen come out yeah. and they, and you know like then Ripley kind of fires the gun above the eggs and there's this understanding the flamethrower yeah don't you, fuck with me or I'll kill all yeah. of your babies and and, they, <laughs> and what's really cool about that and again I think it, it, what what Cameron really gets right here is that this is a film about motherhood uh, yes you know, yeah. like mm. it's two mothers defending their young yeah, exactly yeah, the, I, the interesting and thing there is nothing this. more vicious in the wild than two mothers defending yeah. their young but the interesting thing about that is um you know the version I first saw. That was one of the things they removed. They removed the first scene where Ellen discovers her daughter's dead. So right, you don't yeah. have that at all. So it, and apparently Sigourney Weaver, I was reading, was really upset about that because um, it's the entire motivation for yeah, the rest to, of the movie. Protect Newt. Yeah, at, at you, the were, end. you were saying, because um, I, I think at this point, um, James Cameron was married to his producer, Alan. Uh, that seems Gail to happen Hurt. a lot, right? It seems to happen a lot. Yeah, yeah. Five, so five wives don't at this shit point. where you eat, friend. <laughs> I don't. I, is that what you call it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. I. Sorry. I just think of sex in a different way. Um, but <laughs> you and I have very different lives. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, but but there's. A, the, I, I think you know they they basically came to the same equation that Timor was talking about with Alien or uh, sorry um, where they were kind of told. Oh, sorry, with Prometheus, where they were told you need to make this a movie under three hours because a movie that's close to three hours is hard to sell because the, if you have that playing in a theater, it's hard, you get less screen. And its three D glory will blind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so what they did was they just removed an entire reel from the movie, and that reel was the scene where where Ripley learns that her daughter has grown up and died in hibernation, which is kind of a, it's, it's pretty a, important. That's a pretty, I mean, that's like the entire and crux. That's, of, and that's yeah. horrifying. That's yeah. almost the entire crux of interstellar. She you missed know, her like, whole life. Exactly. And also yeah, yeah. that was kind of retconned in one of the video games now. Cause you right. play as, uh, as Ripley's daughter. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which apparently is a, a great game. I'd never played it, but yeah, yeah. not like aliens, colonial, uh, colonial Marines, which is which, the laughing stock of every video game. game. It's yeah. supposed to be like the worst thing ever. I, I played a lot of alien video games growing up for some reason. Well, yeah, I, I was going to get into uh, real quick before I even do sort of my history with it. But the, the thing you'd mentioned about that mother moment with them too, like, like whenever it showed Ripley or the queen, I was like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah, like this is fucking whatever. But then there's a moment that threw me out this time. And I never remembered it throwing me out before was when the queen, like they're having that moment in the stare down and there's two aliens on the side, yeah, yeah, the henchmen, the henchmen aliens. And they both like kind of come out of their little corners and the queen looks, it goes like, and looks to the left and that guy slinks back and she looks to the right and that guy slinks back. It was just like two symmetrical and hokey for me at that point. I was like, oh, you ruined it. It ruined that oh, moment no, for me, me. To me, that was that was, was what the what Timor was talking about, which is that is the silent conversation. No, no, no. And the silent conversation between when it was just Ripley and the Queen, I really bought it. But for whatever reason, because these were just like, I don't know which aliens they were using, but they were like on sticks kind of coming out, or maybe it was the guys in the suits, but they have such limited movement. It was really like, slide to the left. Oh no, we're not attacking. Slide to the right. And I was like, oh, just go back to the Queen. And then they did, and it's fine. And it doesn't it doesn't break <laughs> anything. Just this time when I watched it, I was like, this moment's so powerful. This but what the but ugh. but I think I, I noticed that as I've always noticed that moment <laughs> as being like eh. that's one of the ones where you can see the suit and it's not a puppet, and it would have yeah. been better to be a puppet. However, yeah. the suit you can sort of see the arms yeah. underneath the like yeah. bones on top from of the a, arms. From a timing standpoint, that makes the next moment work for me, yeah. which is she starts to back out, and that one egg opens up. Yeah, yeah. And Which is like, sort of like the queen threatening her again. Yeah. And that's when Rip and then Ripley does the head tilt. Yeah. And is like, 
oh, so that's how we're going to play. See, no, this, but this is the interesting part about- just nukes the room. This is the thing. Now, you can read- Now, I've always read it like that. I've always read it that, oh, that's the queen being like, come on, motherfucker. But I don't- This time, for whatever reason, it felt to me like that was just- It was the natural point for the egg to open. Like the queen didn't have control over the egg. I agree with that. And yeah. then it was like Ripley- And it's fine because it's, it's a monster she's fighting- Double crosses Absolutely, the monster, yeah. and like they had this understanding of like we'll let you go. She sees something that might happen. She's like, oh no, fuck this, and then just goes like. I don't. I don't think that the queen. See, that's the she thing. Enrages is a queen. I don't yeah. think the queen was going to let her go. The queen mm-hmm. was negotiating a moment of don't kill the eggs, keep these fucking things, get them into the hallway, and cut their you know like cut their right, right, right. effectively. Yeah. But it was like she was just trying to like almost get her back closer to one of the you know, hallways you know, maybe, where the yeah. henchman was hiding. Just, you know, just like, I, I know we want to move on to Matt's to opinion. Right. Um, but but the other thing about that is that this is for me is about Ripley trying to make a choice of who she is in the world at this point, mm-hmm. and and she's basically she's come here to save Newt. You know that everything here is about saving Newt, but she's also made the argument throughout the the film that she's we should just destroy. We should just nuke this planet. There's no way that these aliens should ever be unleashed upon a human population. And as she's walking out the door and she sees that egg open up, reminder. it's a reminder that, oh, th- this is a possible, you know, like no matter what I do, this is still a possibility. And I'm in the, the belly of the beast, so to it's speak. It's a possibility and, if she nukes it? No, it's she's in the belly of the beast right now, so so she should take the opportunity. I think to it's just vengeful, it. and there's nothing wrong with it being vengeful because these aliens have. Well, then it's then it's, I, I, no, then it's I, the question of like, oh, one alien did something awful to so all the aliens. Are doing, but do you know what I mean? Like she's and she absolutely because these things are portrayed as monsters. She has every sort of moral obligation to destroy them in any way that she can. However, in that moment, it does just feel like a ha ha fuck you, mm-hmm. and that's fine with me. I don't think it's. Like I, I disagree with. Yeah, I, I mean, with, but, we but can Matt, read it all different ways. But Isn't Matt, it amazing how this this entire scene has zero dialogue? There's no score, yeah. by the way. The yeah. music stops, and yeah. we're all you all, hear is steam. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's an entirely complicated you know communication and relationship that goes it's on. Wonderful. In this scene. It's, it's, it's just it's good, it's great movement. filmmaking. To, yeah, that, to really that point, you know, like you guys were talking about how you could release this movie today. I I mean. Of the, of the two years that we've been doing this podcast, I would put this movie alongside Mad Max as the best action movie. If if you said this movie was made in 2015, I would say arguably it's the best action movie I've seen in 2015. I don't think it's the best action movie. I think it's sort of the best sort, almost like suspense or I guess horror. I like I don't know what it it rides these things because the action in the movie when I was younger, really grabbed me. In fact, I'll just sort of blend this into sort of my first thoughts about the movie. When I was a kid, I was all about it because I was all about the toys. Like the toys were oh, fucking all awesome yeah, yeah. to the point where my dad, they my dad, yeah, we just put <laughs> yes. them in the tub all the time. KY my Jelly. dad built, I had the queen. They came with KY. Jelly. Yeah. Uh, I had the queen who probably stood KY maybe like a foot tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad, cause he knew how much I love this stuff. And I had Ripley with the, with the mm-hmm. exosuit. He built me basically the elevator cage. Like out of All wood. Right, right. Nice. And like, so it would be always trying to like lock it in and like knock it in and throw it out the airlock or do whatever. So I just remember that, like that moment was always the little kid moment for me. Um, as far as now and dealing with it, uh, I think it is such an amazing film, but I don't, the action in it, it I, I have a problem calling it an action movie, at least really? in 2015, because it's, the action is probably and I don't know if this will be the popular opinion in the room is probably the weakest part of the film for me yeah. because it's a lot of cut to Marines shooting and then cut to alien, alien getting shot 
and then maybe acid, like it's a lot of one, two back and forth when the action's happening. It's not confusing at all, but it's very sort of like, I get it. It's the, the suspense of the moment before the attack is what gets me involved, not the actual action of the attack. That's probably the most dated bit. It's like yes. today you would be able to have a shot where you can show the actual 100%. You know, the thing is, alien see, getting shot by the Marine. And, and it's just back and forth stuff. And which they, is they fine. assembled but, it in but, the but, edit but, room. But, but, yeah. but, but yeah. the thing is, you know, like I am so much like I think, Timor, you tweeted or texted last night saying, you know, like I just finished watching White Knuckled and all. And that's a point. But that's a suspense to me, at no, least for me. To me, the thing is, is like, I am way more invested in that Marine shootout than I am in any action movie we've done no, no. in the two years and we've I been doing this podcast. I understand that. I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I'm just saying the physical, like the watching of the action, the way the action is portrayed, and I'm not talking about why the action, here's the thing. The action in this, I feel like, as, it, as if you put it aside, is weak. But because the movie does everything else right it sets up characters in the beginning when we meet all the marines they all have their own at least the ones we spend the most time they with have a quirk they yeah. have a, their own little quirk each one has like a different thing on their uniform that differentiates them i think uh, uh hicks had like a heart with like a chain like a locket on it that they never referenced but it kind of like gets you to be like oh he's probably the moral one mm-hmm. and then like all everyone uh what uh Vasquez Vasquez has the fucking adios on her gun. Like yeah. there's all these small <laughs> moments and they have interactions with one each other another and they take the time. Like there's an hour before any like action almost happens. And they take the time to make you give a shit about ex- extensively this cannon fodder that any other movie would just be like, yeah, the Marines. Yeah, like I, I think th- that's why I think the suspense leading up to the action works, and that's why I don't mind that the action isn't up to today's. There's standards a good side effect of the action being a little dated, is that you know, you actually didn't see see a solid held shot of an alien yes. at all until yep. the one that gets nuked yep. right, yeah. in the water. And it's like, and I remember because I was like always rewinding the video to the moment because I wanted to see them. Yeah, the water like, one's my favorite. scary. And it's like, because they couldn't show them, mm-hmm. you're still kind of unsure as to even what they look like. Yeah. You know, uh, two movies in. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sure an hour and a half into the movie. You're right. There's no alien at all for the first hour. Love it. But see, you know, I, think, I think, Matt, what you're talking about is the aesthetic of the the way that action scene is constructed. Like, there's no, like, wide shots showing, you know, or a cool angle yeah. or anything. It's just kind of a series of cuts. You yeah. wouldn't but, copy that today. You wouldn't no, go, oh, but, this but, is but, amazing but my point, action scene. My point is, is that even what I think we've forgotten about in, in all the action movies we've done on this podcast is that, those film, you know, like filmmakers today have access to that tool, to, to, to the tool set to do like these beautiful action scenes that are choreographed and that sort of But I don't care. Well, it's obviously a pendulum. Point. Like the, the, the problem is because all these tools exist, a lot of people just focus on the tools to make the cool looking and, and thing. The, and the point and is, and then is they that, don't do the other stuff that this but, movie does yeah. so great. But there's, but there's also something that I, I, I noticed specifically, actually, was, and it was funny, you guys are talking kind of about exactly this, is that, and I felt for the first time that it was dragging was the first hour only because they showed almost procedurally them getting ready, them right. getting into the thing, them sitting down, them driving into the dropship, the dropship doing its pre-flight check. Yeah. Dropship drops, dropship flies, dropship lands, everybody gear up. And then what I realized later on and what made it so fucking scary is you realize how far away from home. Yep. Yeah. This group of guys are this yeah. group it's of important. people are yeah. that amount of time and even yeah and that's what makes it scary because you now feel because you've gone you've put time you've gone into through the journey. A journey yeah you know as a viewer you're like holy fuck there is no help coming yeah like and no if, blockbuster has the balls to do that today today yeah, yeah. like like you know now we just blow up the city 
but it doesn't, you know, like doesn't I, feel I, like I care. Do I yeah, care? Right. Yeah, I don't care at all. Whereas you don't when, see the people building the city. Yeah, when, you know when I'm yeah. when I'm under siege by the aliens in this movie, I am way you know white knuckle. You're you know? in there with them. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I was reading a, a story about the editor of this film, the uh, Love. I can't forget his first name, but it was Lovejoy. Was the last name. That's and a he great cut, last name. Yeah, he he cut two thousand and one, and like. James Cameron would do this thing, which is that in those firing sequences, he would just insert like white frames. Mm. And it was just the, you know, like you're talking about the guy who cut 2001, who does these like slow melodic movies and Ray Lovejoy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he's trying, you know, like he's up against the, uh, a director who wants to like flash frame everything. And there's this whole staccato to it. But the thing that was interesting was the point that Timor was making earlier was that the first half of this film is 2001. There's even, there's like two references to Stanley Kubrick, or maybe three references to Stanley Kubrick at the start of this film. There's alien, there's Ellen's head that's superimposed over the planet, mm-hmm. as we see at the beginning. There's uh, the the kid with the on scooter the on the tricycle, yeah. which is kind of an allusion to The Shining. And I think you could probably argue that the ship and some of the writing on the ship, probably somewhere in there, there's probably a, there's a reference entire, to like, uh, Doctor Strange blog line. about the fonts of sci-fi movies. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's, oh, it's the same. It's font. called Euro Style Bold Extended. I don't know. You know, okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into my font uh, font nerdism. Yeah, but, but yeah, you went into movies, but you were into fonts. Well, yeah, I, I've been into a few things. Yeah, yeah. Time. This is the only podcast about papyrus. <laughs> so, but Matt, I don't. I, I think we we got into the no, weeds no. with you, and that's with... totally fine. So, I mean, that's just my history. I mean, it's 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 kind of similar. I feel like to everybody's, but like I saw Aliens first, then I went back and saw Alien. I was too young to watch them. Uh, I was always scared of them, but I always loved them, and and I think it got. And then obviously it sort of transitions into sort of more of my like, uh, you know, middle school or high school years. But like I do credit whether this is good or bad, the aliens franchise and a little bit of predator in a sort of way. And I I always even though I don't like the movies that they've made, I like that canonically they're sort of in the same. Mm -hmm. Like I I like the idea and I still think a good alien versus predator could be done. They know each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're they they hang out on weekends. (laughs) Um, But I feel like it it drove um, a lot of sort of what got me more into like darker sci fi or like uh just sort of like, even though I was a pretty happy kid, I was very goth when I was younger and like, for yeah, what? And, um, and it just like the aesthetic of it and the aliens I'd seen the book, uh, was yeah, just, yeah. Uh, and all of his stuff was just so fucking not only amazing, but like terror, like nothing's been more beautiful and scary to me. I think that I've ever seen in any sort of art design of anything. And now you're just going to tell me that there's a whole fucking movie universe about all this shit. Hell, and that's why I think I even forgive the bad, like uh resurrection alien resurrection. See, I like that one too. See, it's I do too. Looking film. I yeah. do too. But like, I can look at, like if I take away my love for the franchise and the art style, I can be like, Oh, but I try, I don't because it, it, that, that sort of, that, passion for that just sort of can push me beyond the uh the problems with it so i think though i will say aliens the film that we are mostly talking about today is uh by far my favorite of yeah. all of them. i mean it's it, just I think it's it fits the, all the right notes i mean yeah. the first two are obviously yeah they're they're sort of candy, but, I, but know, i think but aliens is the crown jewel in the alien franchise i i like i still like the first they're one, two though. very I, different movies yeah. which i like uh i mean the they're like alien is like Straight up horror. Like yeah. it's horror in space. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, in space, no one can hear you scream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I fucking I dig this movie, and I'm glad that we're we're well, having a chance to talk. You about do it. know the log line for Aliens is this time it's war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you that, know, like it's like you know that's an interesting thing about James Cameron again. You know, like if we were just looking at Terminator One and Terminator Two, he does he is able to basically take a film. You know, like and makes he, it better somehow. Well, he you know kind of I mean? he like, reconfigures it in a meaningful way. You know, yeah. like it's it's like okay, the first time it was this one alien, and it was about you know like this horror movie in space kind of thing. The second time it's this war movie about a mother trying to save a child. You know, like and it's he reconfigures it in a really profoundly workable way that you know and in terminator 2 it's like the 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 cyborg that was sent to kill you is now your, now prote- your protector yeah. yeah exactly and that's and that changes everything we understand How about that James Cameron's uh, relationship with well, his dad or his mom yeah. pretty good well, as far as I know that's a good question though because he has a habit of these very very strong female characters like what is going on there? yeah what's, what's it coming mm, from I like that about him oh it's yeah, great it's I, mean, I, I know I like it too I just it's, it's, just, I, it's not standard right yeah, yeah. who else does that yeah I mean, and, you and got back El, in you that know, year as well, and like remember, she Ellen got, Ripley, Sarah Connor, you yeah. know, I mean, just kicking ass and taking names. All you could even long. argue the mother, uh, played by Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies. Oh, Live. absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. eventually. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, awesome. But but this this actually kind of brings up a good point because I think you know the many. Pe- I was actually having a conversation online the other day about this because I was talking about doing this podcast. Yep. So I was like, I'm doing homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody was like, Oh, I hated Aliens Three and I hated Alien Resurrection. And I was like. Okay, that's fine. I don't. That, that's fine. You know, it's opinions. There are lesser films than yeah. aliens. Sure. aliens. But, but one thing miraculously did happen, which is the arc of who Ellen Ripley is and becomes and becomes actually somehow, yeah, makes sense. is maintained. Yeah, she in the first one she's horrified and she survives. The second one. She, she takes action. She takes action. The third one, she's at isolated. This po- she's yeah. isolated, but she's also also kind of an expert at yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah. And then in the fourth one, she literally becomes an, one. Yeah. Well, she so, becomes the mother of the thing she hates the most. Did you, and that arc is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, think so, I mean, that's, that's breaking bad. Yeah. You how know, diff- like, yeah. How different is that to say Star Wars 7, where they basically <laughs> had an opportunity to make a really cool thing with this world that is set up, and they just made the fourth movie again? Yeah. You know, it's I mean, like, I, there's nothing new. In and that's the thing. I don't and even like, remember I, The Force Awakens. See, this honestly. is, we, we talked about. <laughs> The Force, you know, we talk about action movies. The Force Awakens, you could argue, has some really amazing action movies, but I don't care. You know, like I don't care about anything that happens in that film. I don't. I barely remember it. I still Aliens it. is a movie. <laughs> I checked. Okay, here's the thing. I literally yelled at the screen. Mm-hmm. I checked out when the dude from Girls killed Han Solo. Spoiler alert for The Force Awakens. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of the yeah. best thing about that movie uh, to me. It's like, at least was, there's something new. I was new. yelling. I was like, who the hell let that guy in this movie? Here's a, um, so just coming back to Aliens for a second. Um, just for a, fun, a second. Because then we got lightsabers. Yeah, God damn it. There's a funny story about when um, when James Cameron, so the famous story about James Cameron getting the deal to write, to, to make mm-hmm. Aliens was that he wrote up Alien on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper. <laughs> then he wrote S at the end of it you know, aliens. And then he put a dollar sign. He made the S into a dollar sign. And that's how he got the deal was like aliens is going to make you money. And then, so he, he kind of, that you know, seems like a very James Cameron thing. To do. <laughs> and, but he was riding like this wave after Terminator where he was like the it kid. Now this was a guy who was like nearly, Terminators was he like living in his car. Yeah, he was living he was in his car. He was, a, he was a, you know, like he, apparently the story is goes that he would like sneak into hotels and steal the, uh, the, the uh, room service food leftovers that had been left outside of people's doors. <laughs> and like now two, you know, like four years later, he was like 
basically still doing that, the, <laughs> but just for fun, <laughs> just for fun. This he time didn't right. have to. Did you, yeah, yeah. did you know that that um, Terminator had not come out when Aliens was shot? Right. So, oh, like, really? that's they one of the things about the crew. Wow. Crew famously disrespecting him in yeah, England yeah. because they're British. They, is, um, they hadn't. No one had seen Terminator, and he, he was just this nobody. I think there was that's a case amazing. that it hadn't come out in the UK, but like in, no, in I, Hollywood. Well, uh, this this was my recollection of the okay. of the behind we'll the scenes have to fact feature. Check that one. Yeah. yeah. Fact um, check. But there was an interesting <laughs> on this show. <laughs> there was an interesting thing, which was that he was writing the screenplay, and then you know, with with Ripley in the lead, and and then for some reason, Sigourney Weaver, who had kind of like blown up at this point as well, was not aware that an Alien sequel was being made. Remember, she'd made that movie, you know. Uh, some seven, seven years earlier sure. and not really given it much thought again. Um, and so he reached out to her and she, she read the screenplay and she, and then she, he was uh, very impressed by the fact, and this is why she's appeared in a few more of his films since then is that she turned up with a lot of serious notes about her character in that film. And a couple of the weird ones were, was well, not weird ones were the, the one big one was that if she was going to do an alien sequel, she wanted to die in it and she wanted to have sex with an alien. That was her two things that she wanted. And eventually, eventually both came true. Eventually both those mm. things happened because those were notes that she had about that character. And I, I I could you I think you could argue that maybe aliens would be slightly more profound if she died in there. I don't know about the sex with the yeah. alien. That's a that's a very difficult one. But they actually managed, like you say, the overall arc of the character actually makes sense where she does at the end of uh, of Alien Resurrection. Um I think, you know, like you're right. The the arc of this character throughout the entire franchise has been remarkable. And and even if Alien Resurrection is not a great film, I do have a soft spot in my heart for Jean-Pierre Genet, the guy who directed it. And I love basketball in space. So Oh, do they play basketball in space they in that movie? I can't remember. Um the the fact that she kind of becomes this alien hybrid, and it's something that something that the the way in which we understand the alien, um, which I think has always been interesting. You know, in the first film it was just this kind of being, but there was this, some sort of mythology behind it. You know, we saw the, the, uh, the chest burster for the first time. We saw the space jockey. So we're kind of like, what is this thing? In the second film, I think what's profoundly interesting is that I don't think that the aliens are bad. I don't think that they're evil. Well, they're animals. They're just I animals. They're, yeah. Exactly. And I think the film kind of like points at this kind of ecological side to them, which is that they are just a species that is fighting for their right to exist on this planet and that you know for what you know they're like insects would do is that they would fight for for their place and and like you see when they're crawling through there's that wonderful scene where the the aliens are right above us and we don't know that they're right above us you know with the um with the radar the detector and then we look up and we see them and they look like a a, a swarm of insects coming at you and i think it, it's just it's a real, you know, and, the, and like the silence that we have with the queen later on, I think it's a real key understanding that Cameron has not to personify the aliens as like people, as creatures with malicious intent, but beings that have instincts that, that just don't happen to align with our own. I have a question okay. about the mother moment again. I was okay. thinking this too. Is there in real life outside of movie town? Is there an example where a human has had sort of an interaction with a predatorial animal in this sort of way, like enough of a knowing, like I could kill your baby bear or like whatever the fuck we're talking about? Or is this a thing where we're basically putting our own emotions onto an animal that cinema has just sort of done? Because I, because of this moment and a couple other moments in you films. You approach bears slightly differently. No, no, no. I mean, I, I know how, to, I'm, I'm from New Hampshire. I know how to handle a bear. But the, the thing about it is, is, is that a real? thing does anybody know 
Or is that just something that one of these things that Hollywood has trained us to be like, oh yeah, we can to- you can totally have these you, like- I don't know if you could have like- I don't a, think so. I don't think you could have a metamorphosis communication <clears throat> between two species like no, that. No, I, I don't think that it, it, there's any- But the one that, thing that is- understands that a shotgun yeah, yeah. is going to take exactly. its cup and split in yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know, maybe like fire is an elemental like, sure, thing like, that we uh, can understand. You know, uh, It'll like hold them back. Smart things like uh, gorillas or crows or I don't fucking know. I was just but curious it, if like that ever came up. But the one thing that I like, I for some reason, I got into this like internet- wormhole years ago about bot flies and I think it was because of a radio lab episode but bot flies are this creature that you know like uses the human body to gestate and it's something that you know we see in this film as well which is that the the aliens gestate inside the human body and it was like just just this kind of like I, I think the idea that basically the the DNA of the alien came from like our understanding of of the way in which creatures and insects work is is something that made it work you know like it wasn't just like they were this magical alien thing or it wasn't like that they kind of you know like the you could argue that the in predator 2 for example you saw a spaceship and you saw that they were hunters and they had autonomy and that sort of thing and that weakens their power yeah, well Whereas, he was in town with a few days to kill here yeah exactly but in but in predator you know like he was just this hunter and you didn't really know what the hunter was about you know and i think there's something like it's kind of like Jaws, you know, like it's just this elemental force that's at you. You don't really except the queen, right? Mm-hmm. Like the others are insects for sure, but the queen, you can tell the queen pissed. has the yeah. queen has yeah. autonomy. Like, when when, well, yeah. when she like betrays her, double crosses her, and, blows and when the her, queen uses an elevator, aids into her yeah. egg sac, the yeah. queen looks pretty mad. Yeah, and she's coming at her like. It's and a one. It's a mano a mano yeah. kind of thing. It's not because like that I'm, one has intelligence because it's you know it's the big. I think that's the the good thing James Cameron added to the. Um, you know, the the physiology of the whole race was the whole sure. queen thing. That's like mm. kind of genius. And seeing the egg sac and everyone's seen a big egg sac of an ant or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we all kind of go, get it. It's What's like, funny is it's alien, the- but it's like Earth-like enough that you understand it and are scared yeah. by it. And you can... In the special edition versus the theatrical edition, the scene where what, I think it's Hicks or uh, someone speculates that there must be a queen out there that just lays eggs, some big fucking mm-hmm. thing. That was a scene that was actually removed yeah. from the special edition. And I was like, oh... It's weird because that scene sits up yeah. what I see later on. I wonder it also what the gives film, it away though. Yeah, I wonder what it would be like to see the film and would you like if you didn't even think about oh there must be a queen somewhere and where are these eggs coming from. What what would your reaction be when you saw the you know ostensibly the queen for the first time? Would you be like what the fuck is that thing and like you know like yeah. you, you hadn't been primed for it. That's uh, great. I mean that, that would that would actually be interesting because you know if you were talking about mm-hmm. insects and you know the things that really exist. Yeah. You know, the the thing I've always wondered was like with bees and wasps and, you know, hive hive ants even. Yeah. You know, when a queen dies, is her last egg another queen? Like does one transform into a queen? Right. I believe that dies? happens in a lot of species. Like, like not, maybe does, not when she one dies, them, but yeah. is one of them one just of them flagged as potentially able to Because it's a pheromone thing. It's a, it's not only the way that the uh, sort of specific in- insects communicate, but like when when the queen no longer projects whatever pheromone it is that lack is picked up by whatever fucking dna so there's nonsense. just randomly one of them is yeah. like oh i'm next that from, from I, my I'm, very weak understanding of it but that's what i seem to remember as i recall from our gravity discussion in the rogue one episode i'm hoping a listener who's like oh yeah write us in if you guys know about bugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> you write us in and let us know how this works because don't just leave a dead bug on our door was as some other people have. are we living together now what is this yeah well you know we hey, have a thing okay <laughs> so back to the difference between theatrical and special I think most of the special is is better, and, and is certainly the um, Ellen 
discovering her daughter's dead is like hugely important and how they cut that out yeah. is yeah. mind-blowing to me. However, there's a couple of other things that were cut out and it makes the story much better and adding them in is not cool. And specifically, it's seeing the colony with all the people alive yeah. and getting yeah. a phone call and going, hey, go check out this grid reference and then them driving out to the ship. So when you first see the movie and that's not in it, all, all you know is that they've lost contact with the colony. You've got no idea at all. And then they land there and it's just this abandoned thing with yeah. like holes in the ground. And that's super scary. And then the other thing that you discover later is Ripley goes up to uh, Carter Burke and goes, uh, it says here in the logs, you sent them out to there to mm-hmm. die. And that's the moment you discover that he's like the stubble crossing, yeah, yeah. you know, evil dude. Yeah. And they actually just give that away, that twist, you know, earlier. I, in, I, in the special edition, by I, having that scene, I think uh, one of the reasons James Cameron was was didn't want to cut that scene it was it was the first time that you saw the same the Covenant ship or whatever it was yeah. that was in Alien, and so he was like, without that, there's no continuity. Tether. Yeah, there's no tether to the original film, other than Ripley, other than, and all the creatures, a and, visual yeah. tether, you and know? the company, yeah, and yeah. everything else. The title. I I actually didn't. I yeah. so I, I <laughs> so other than all that, you hear you are 100 percent correct. I like the scene. And the cat. I, I like and the, the cat. And the Jonesy. cat. Jonesy. Jonesy was back. I, I like them going out to to seeing the. To, to seeing the ship and then coming back and and seeing Newt for the first time. If the okay, if we're gonna make any criticism of this film, okay, um, let's do that. The actress who plays Newt is not a mm. great kid. She's actress. not consistent. She has great moments. Wait, yeah. I love her when she was the traumatized. Yep. Yeah. Cr- like, but the minute she starts creature, talking, yeah. and then the minute towards the end when she tries to be like a normal kid, like that's after the alien giving the thumbs like, up, giving th- that's when she crosses into creepy for me because it's like she was way more awesome because she played traumatized really well. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I feel like we're ignoring the giant robotic elephant in the room. What's that? Oh, the uh, bishop? Skeleton? bishop, bishop, the well, bishop one, two, <laughs> but you know, also exoskeleton fight. I so so here's the thing, the exoskeleton fight happens in Avatar as well, and I and and which uh, sucked, yep. and that's the thing. I rem, you know like as soon as I like so the thing about Avatar again was like the Carter Burke character kind of appears in, in Avatar mm. played by Giovanni Ribisi, a shitty version of and he's like a yep. shitty version of it. He's like this like you weird. You don't really hate him. You don't really hate. Well, you just he's a caricature of a bad guy. He's a bro. Whereas Carter Burke, I, I like I kind of get what he's trying to do, and he, and he's revealed in layers, and he's doing like little manipulations. Define the whole way. you get what he's trying to do. Because that's a slippery slope you're going down. What Carter Brick's trying to do? Yeah. He wants to make money off of this thing. He wants to whip and Okay, you island. understand what he's doing. You don't empathize with what no, no, he's no, doing. No, no, no. I don't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All I, right. I was like, Shahir. He's not the hero of the movie to me. Okay. But he's the re- played by like this inoffensive looking, friendly guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a, a company man. Yep. And he's not tr- he's not like twirling at the mustache to like, you know, like do some big evil scheme. He's just like motivated by money. And he's like, well, he is, he's, he's motivated to do a big evil scheme for money. I mean, he's literally trying to get no, Ripley impregnated and get her through cryosleep he, to get her through all the fucking checkpoints. But I don't think, else. but I don't think he's thinking about it. Like, Oh, we're going to like deliver this huge weapon to the, to, you know, like, and we're, we're delivering evil to the world. He's kind of just like, oh, I can make some money off of this. This is what my company does. And I'm just, he's, he feels like a middleman to me. And like no, a very, it's, undis- it's very personal, isn't it? Mm. It's like, we can personally get rich, you and me, Ripley, if we yeah. do this thing. Yeah. We'll sneak it by them. They'll never know. Like, it's, he's not doing it on the company orders. He's, he's out for himself. He's yeah. out for himself. But I was going to say the exoskeleton, it was funny as well, was that watching uh, Aliens again, the first shot was this sort of like, um, the the robot arm cutting through a piece mm-hmm. of steel, and I was like, 
Did we steal that for automatic? I actually, like, I actually was looking at it and I was, I was like, like, oh, this is this is all the tie-ins yeah. all making sense. I was now. like, I, I didn't consciously, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh shit, look at that. You know, it's like almost the same first shot. But and then a robot arm. And comes a robot up. arm. I marked it in my notes. We didn't even get to that whole breakdown. We won't have time to, but and the then yeah. The laser scanner. In the laser scanner, yeah. The, I, I was all, I remember the laser scanner through smoke always impressed me. And I was like, it's something I wish we could have done unautomatica, but we didn't quite get we to it. We didn't have a uh, nineteen eighty five technology. That's yeah, true. Exactly. <laughs> the future's now. Um, but you know, like the, uh, as I was saying about Avatar, you know, like the exoskeleton fight happens in Avatar, but it doesn't have the same kind of weight to it. In fact, at some point he pulls out a giant Bowie knife and I remember just like, or, like laughing yeah. out loud yeah. Yeah. ass off at that, you know, but like, but Ripley, like showing us at the beginning of the film that she Knows lost her drive it. Yeah. Lost her yeah. license, became a, a truck loader. And then like there was a, in the deleted scenes, there was actually a moment where they show her working. I think. Yeah. No, it's in, it's the in the theatrical yeah. scene that we, yeah. it is. She yeah, puts in, a big missile into the ship with it. No, 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 no. Yeah. In she's very, 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 oh, yeah. very beginning. Oh, like, oh, okay. like, oh, like when right. she's still on like place space station one or whatever yeah. it was right. called. Or was it good day or good Something morning like or some stupid name? But it was like, you know, there's like a moment where you see her getting off work, climbing out of a power loader or oh, something. Right, like there's right, something, right. there's like some. But it is unnecessary because we but see it, it later. But it shows that these things are a thing. Yeah. Yep. That they're, they're utilitarian. They're they have a purpose. Avatar they're supposed well. to be. They're, you know, like we see yeah. them. Prim, yeah, but the prim. Bowie knives aren't a thing. That's the <laughs> like, problem. Why that's does when it have you, a Bowie knife? That's yeah. when you jump ship because it becomes, it goes from a utilitarian thing that you have to use for combat to survive to a, oh, by the way, these things can fucking fight with knives. Like that's just awful i have the technology to create a power walking device but i don't know how to use guns i have knives so so look the the thing oh what were you saying i was gonna say there's there's plenty of problems with avatar what do you think are the problems with aliens for me it's that the marines are kind of cartoonish really shit at their job (laughs) that's like (laughs) well they they are not well their commanders shit at their job well the commander because the commander doesn't realize this is my favorite part this is my favorite part of the film so they go down into the alien thing doing right and it's near a reactor and no one but ripley thought about you can't fire bullets you can't fire these exploding tip bullets down there because you'll rupture the fucking power plant and you see the commander just be like Oh fuck! And he makes them all take their mm. ammunition out. And why don't they go out at that point? It's like why are you leave. walking no, they in should there? Leave. They should. Leave. Yeah. But I, I love that 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 is like an um, an addition of tension in that scene. Yeah. Like it's an additional threat in that scene. That that you know, like he could you could have as a writer you could have that conversation right before they go out there or something like that. But it happens right in the middle of it. It's just it's good. You could have escalation. Absolutely. You could have well, also you, not had it. You could have just had them have a firefight and lose. But this is a this is like a, just another way of raising the tension yep. before you even see an alien. Mm-hmm. It's I like, think. Well, oh my even, god, they're not even going to be able to shoot. He them. even mm-hmm. says, "What are we supposed to use? Strong language?" Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah. Well, it, it, what, what's kind of funny is that you know what uh, Tom, our DIT on mm-hmm. Automatica, was shout uh, out he to was, Tom Wong. Shout out to Tom Wong, former Marine. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. And he always used to tell me he goes something to the effect of, he goes, if Marines were happy, we wouldn't be good at our jobs. Right. And they, were, know, like, they, these they guys need were... to be as miserable as humanly possible. <laughs> oh, and that's wow. how they, you get them to, you know, do things, you know? Like, <laughs> I think the Bill Paxton character is like... Game over, man! He's slightly cartoonish. But he's just, like, and the only reason I like him because I like Bill Paxton, you know? Like, it's it's just... But, I, but you could argue, if you're watching this completely fresh and you have no idea who that actor is, mm-hmm. he, is uh, he is a slightly... A bit grating. Yeah, exaggerated form of what these Marines should be. Like, I think Vasquez, you know, like, is actually She's the best great. one. Yeah, she's great. Like, it, I get her. I understand what, she, you know, like, where who her character is. 
the thing I was going to just briefly mention was was my favorite scene in this movie, and I think the scene just works on so many levels. Is the mid lab when, when they're trapped in the mid lab oh, with yeah. a single face hugger, two face huggers, two, two face hugger. And and what I love about that scene is it's it's terrifying because of the 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 mechanics of the face hugger that we understand. It's infuriating because of the plot mechanics that got us to that scene. The you double know, cross, the double cross. We realize that. The, the links at which Carter Burke is willing to go. Turns off the monitor. Turns mm-hmm. off the monitor, takes the gun. And then it's terrifying because, um, you know, like it, it taps into this sort of um, elemental nature in us, which is that it's about this mother trying to protect this child in this scene. And then it's, and then it's exhilarating because the, the military gets involved and you get this sort of action hero moment at it, you know, when they break down the thing. And I, this scene is just such a, it is to me the best scene in the movie. It's such a perfect encapsulation of why James Cameron is a good writer is that he gets all those story strands to kind of like fuse into that one scene. And it's just, it's, if you turn the cam, if you, if you put a camera in a theater and turned it on the audience during that scene, you would be hard pressed to see anyone not focused on what's happening. And this is like, it is a horror movie. Everyone goes, oh, this is an action movie yeah. and Alien is a horror movie more um, because there's not a lot of action in Alien, I guess. But like, it's terrifying, this yeah. movie. And like, you know, you wake up and the thing that's going to kill you is loose in the room and you and just tiny. woken up. It could be on top of the bed. It could be anywhere. And it's it tries quick. To, tries mm-hmm. to break the window. Mm-hmm. And then they get this great shot from outside the room where she's screaming and there's no sound. Yeah, so no one can hear you. Oh, and got no weapons. There's and that shot you can do. of Carter Burke when he's at the Paul Riser from Mad About You. You know, like he's he, we see uh, a little video VHS, you know, um, security camera, and he's kind of he tap he's tapping on it because you're like you're like oh she's figured out this you know she's trying to figure out ways to get. Uh, the people's attention, attention. People's attention. So she's pointing at the camera and he's tapping on it with his finger and then he turns it off and kind of nervously looks back. It's just like this great, you know, like we understand how everybody is going to react to that scene. It's so good. It's the best scene in the movie. And you also get the sense with Paul Reiser in that moment that with Carter Burke that he's not really even sure that this is going to work. Yes. Yeah. And, and he's know, not waiting like, a lot. Like he's, point. he's, he's putting his own life at risk essentially because yeah, right. yeah. if that goes wrong and it could kill very, well, very go well go and it did yeah but like if that doesn't go right the end. he still has to convince all those other people to freeze them then he has to like figure out how to kill them all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but meanwhile surviving the aliens and getting back to the ship it's not a like, great plan it's a long no. shot of a- long <laughs> shots of long shots but he's so <laughs> dedicated to making that trillion and, but you see that and kind of like that, nervousness on his yeah, face that, yeah. that he's like well fuck it i'd rather die you know trying to do this yeah sure. i gotta do something gone I, home and not had made and that, think about that compared to giovanni rubisi's character in avatar it's sure. none of that yeah, he's just he's, a guy and yeah. i think the reason burke even tries it is because he knows due to the fact that he has sort of company authority not necessarily military authority but that bishop will listen to him because yeah. the company's made Bishop. It feels like Bishop would obey anything he says. And there's an earlier scene where Bishop says, oh, he told me. He to told me not to destroy the specimens. Yeah. yeah, and he was very explicit about it. So this is this is the one scene that's in the screenplay and they shot because it, it's in the magazine that I have. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when Ripley Alien goes down to, to rescue Newt and she goes into the nest, she oh. discovers Burke in the yeah, wall. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he's oh, like, yeah, yeah. please kill me. And she gives him a grenade or something. Yeah. And it's like, that's never made it into the special yeah, edition. Yeah, that shit's hardcore. And like, I remember, the, you can actually YouTube that. That's on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I've seen I, I just saw it on Reddit like a month ago. It yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I think uh, Sigourney Weaver had some comments about that because she didn't know if like he would be, if he had enough spine to like kill himself. You know, like right. she wanted, he, he, he doesn't seem like a, he seems like too much of a narcissist to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Um, which I always, I just things always change when you uh, change when you're sort of like bio glued you know, glued to a wall. To a wall. When you're so sweaty and wet, you just got to get out of this thing. <laughs> I'm so hot. <laughs> get me out of here. I love that little detail as well as what they talk when they go down into that into the hive and they're like, it's really hot in here. It's like a detail that you know you unless someone said it, but it's oh, but it's know, a dry heat, man. It's a dry heat that'll kill you. Well, what's actually <laughs> awesome is I've never noticed it until this time, but when the reactor melting down yep. and she goes down to rescue Newt there's red hot pipes everywhere I right. noticed yep. it and yeah. I didn't First notice time. that before and I was like oh my god can you imagine how fucking odd it is in there yeah, yeah. you know and then the, and then you realize in you know high def and 4k mm. or whatever is watching MIT, it's a seeing how she's just fucking dripping yeah. in sweat and you're like wait she's just as wet as the alien is yeah. now. you know like See, now she can understand now yeah. she gets it they're just uncomfortable that's what the aliens are they're just, well, like, they're just secreting that Spunky nonsense all well, the time. Well, they go swimming in, in Alien Resurrection. So That's maybe, true. Yeah. Oh, also, side note, when they're when they're driving out from the first encounter, right, and their pilots are going to go pick them up in their car, oh. and then the alien gets in. So I, I noticed this, and I never noticed this before. So as the one guy's getting in while the um, five-by-five pilot, uh, who yeah. they stole that line for uh, StarCraft, actually. Mm-hmm. They use that for the pilot in StarCraft. She calls him in, like, come on in. That dude's name, as he touches that spunk, like, nonsense on the, is Spunkmire. Oh really? And like, come on, Spunkmeyer, and he has his shit in his hand. I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> that obviously goes bad. That's another of the small complaints about this movie. It's like when they first land, they they land, the door opens, and the machine, you know, the APC drives out, and they instantly dust off. And it's like, and then they go somewhere and park with the door open. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like on the ground for one second, and they're out of there for safety. And yep. then later on, they're just like, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, you, we could, you, Nigel, you brought up this before. Let's try to figure out before we before we call this because I think it's safe to say that we all really like this movie. But like, is there th- anyone who could who could argue? Could to say Aliens is a bad movie at this point? I don't think so. I think there's bad aspects like what Nigel just brought up and things that don't quite add up. Yeah, the, but they're the minor one, compared yeah. to one most thing, movies. The one thing these. that always bugged me, like even since I was a kid, is you know when Bishop picks up Ripley and Newt from the collapsing deck, and yep. the Queen is kind of coming out of the elevator. It didn't even bother me that the Queen went into the elevator. It's sure. obvious that the Queen is kind of smart. Yeah, you know, and that and that. She, no, but you know what I just picked up because that always bothered me too. Ripley tries that elevator and it doesn't go. Yeah. She's waiting for it to come down. And then the other one arrives. She gets in that one. And then well, the first one comes called. down. Yeah. So there's two of them. Yeah. The first one comes down. Yeah. The it's queen a different just elevator. gets into it. But she'd yeah. already, yeah, but she didn't have to hit a button. It. She just got into it yeah, and yeah. it brought her up. She but, might not even have known. She just, a queen doesn't have to pick the button or anything. No, no, yeah. no. That's not the problem. I'm oh, just that, saying the queen had enough prescience to say, to use well, that one went into that hole. So I'm going to follow it into this hole. You know, anyway, that's not the point. The point is, uh, and I, and I feel like it's one of those things that didn't work in the edit, so they cut it out, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Is Ripley and Newt jump into the ship, the landing gear grabs some gas, yeah. yeah, grabs some gas, yeah, yeah, and then it just takes off. Yep. And then the amazing, you know, with the um, the music crescendo yeah, da, da, and the da, da, nuke da. goes off behind them. The and nuke all looks amazing. Yeah, it really looks incredible. Yeah, better than I've seen in any other movie. Really, you know what that nuke is? It's cotton wool. And a light bulb underneath. <laughs> I bet it. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, they just raise the light bulb up. That's insane. That's wow. so got brighter. Yeah. <laughs> and and so then, of course, getting to my favorite part of the film, which is you know they land, they think they're safe, 
and then and the queen alien just shoves a good six feet of fucking tail, tail right yeah. through Bishop's yeah 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 and rips him in half rips him in half like and ri- and rips him in half in the best way cross handed yeah. yeah. opposite yeah. direction yeah. <laughs> in the I specifically don't give a fuck about you matter yeah. 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 yeah yeah um but it's sort of for me was always like I watched the landing gear close and I did not see a, a giant twelve thousand pound queen mm-hmm. alien climb into that hole right. There's that much, part I bothered me. I don't me. think they show it close, though. They show it on the plane. Because I was that always bothered me, too, and I was watching for that. Yeah, so. it's a silly little thing. It's funny it's because, little, it, like, to me, it was always just kind of like the cliffhanger, like you talk about in, in Misery, yeah. where the car goes off the cliff, and you saw him go off the cliff, but then and he, then he jumped out, right, and you right, didn't right. see it. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, come so on, man. W- like, when Ridley Scott... I would have rather seen the fucking queen hugging the side of the ship nah, yeah. while it was but then flying that was like the tension. It's such a good, like, so, twist. False so, ending, same as the original. Yeah, false that's the thing. It was like, And when Ridley Scott talked about it, he said he wanted to actually create a fourth act in the film. And it's kind of the same, like... We've seen it in horror movies since then. It's basically the the one last stand of the villain. And, but I, I think, you know, so when it came, yeah, it, it does, it does feel like it's like, like you say, like it's where did this alien come from? How did it get on the ship kind of thing? And but it's not a small one. It's not a small, tiny alien. You know, like this thing is like 35 feet tall. You know? um, <laughs> like, and what we would learn from Alien 3 as well is that it managed to lay one more egg. Um, because in the start yep. of Alien Three, you know there there was a face hugger. Which well. doesn't make any sense because its egg sack was. Oh who knows? No, 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 no. who knows? Wait, wait, wait! But, but there it is, still there is works. A potential, it wait, there's an a potential. Egg under its arm, like a there's a potential. It's not like the Lord of the Rings where they have like multiple endings. It's it's actually oh, no, still wait, naturally. I'm totally works. fucking wrong. I was gonna say the alien that killed Spunkmeyer may have thrown one in there, but that one. It's crashed. a different one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what it is. It is it that it's, uh, Newt was supposed to have been impregnated after all? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, I was actually mad at the end of the movie thinking of Alien 3 because because like, you know how sad it these, is well here are these great characters and like Newt's actually a great character I, she's a she dodgy was, actor but like yeah. she never you know. acted I mean she did little bits parts since then but she never like went on to fame and obviously the man the myth the legend Michael Bean uh, yeah and, so and like the Alien 3 just throws it all away you know for not great well, Result. Alien 3 had a really tortured production. You know, sure. New Zealander Vincent Ward spent a lot of time writing that, and originally it was supposed to be on this wooden planet. And that was the problem. Yeah, that was the problem. It was so, supposed to be like in a forest? Uh, yeah. No, like, no, no, like, on a wooden planet, like a planet made out of wood. What? Yeah, like it was- Excuse me? It like was because- Waterworld without the water? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was some sort of like wooden space station or something. I can't remember I the I thought exact. it was just a forest. I'm glad that it was just a- We're getting into Spelljammer territory? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? So it could have been worse. It's like Earthworm Jim and, so, and like, yeah. And alien, you know, like aliens had made so much money that they weren't going to like let this thing go. But they spent so much time in development hell with so many directors coming and going. Eventually, they landed on David Fincher, who was like a young upstart music video director, and who they could kind of push around. Um, you know, he didn't have like a Terminator under his belt to to, to kind of warrant any decision he made. So, Alien Three had a little bit of a tortured history sure. to getting to the screen. And one of the, I think, one of the. The results of that tortured history was the the jettisoning of uh, these other characters in order to like you know basically they just kind of like restart the film. Yeah, they rebooted it with by yeah. killing everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is not necessarily the best way to go about it. But then you know we didn't. I, I think you know like remember the time and the period we didn't think of movies as contiguous as we mm-hmm. do now. You know where they were kind of like self-contained pieces. Um, yeah. So well, yeah. however. <laughs> Hating that part aside, yeah. Power loader fight. How oh. fucking awesome! Was it's that? the best thing in the. It's, it's, it's just so like good. And, it's and, and one it, of the best justified one-liners as well. Get away with, from her, you bitch! 
it's and that's was and that's just mom and at that point it's mom, mom versus mom. And I don't Nigel, I don't know if you were thinking about this as well. It was just like I you know, because I have a wife who's a mother, you know, like understand that impulse. Like like I was waiting for the moment where you referenced that you had a family in this <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> it, it does happen every time. Yeah. So I'm glad we got there. You know, you yeah. have Marvel, I have a family. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it was like it was just this fair this, point. This idea that there is the 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 instinct that mothers have to protect their young goes beyond like mm-hmm. beyond personal um you know safety like, and safety logic and, and yeah. logic. It's like I will if you do anything to like even look at my kid wrong, I will destroy you, kind of thing. And it was, and that's why that the two queens kind of fighting it out kind of works for me. And it's also the first time any of the characters ever has an actual physical advantage, yeah, over one of the aliens because the aliens are faster, stronger, yeah. uh, uh, fucking acidic blood. I mean, they, they, you know, you just you just can't even get close to the damn thing to kill it. You know yeah. what I mean? But this is the first time that she has a physical. Advantage anyone in any I would, of the I would argue that the the, the acidic blood thing was still probably a problem for the for the power loader. Like if you, well, that's, course, that's why she but, wasn't crushing it. Yeah. But she could at least hold it, right? Yeah. And and then throw it down the airlock. Throw it in, the, you know. But it's the yeah, how else are you going to fight a thirty five foot tall fucking cockroach wasp? You know, <laughs> yeah. like I love uh, I made was, of dicks. I was reading <laughs> about uh, <laughs> wit, 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 sweaty dicks. It's just like aliens is a wit, sweaty dick monster. I think I just it, found it, our pull quote. <laughs> um, but I loved. Uh, I was reading about the writer of the, the original aliens talking about um, like why they came up with the acidic blood thing, and it was basically it was a narrative construction. It was like. Mm. Why don't the why don't they just shoot the alien? And it was like, well, well it'll sh- burn right through the hole. It'll burn right through the hole. And that's and that was kind of this. It was, they they didn't would, really have guns on that ship. No, they did have. He was just he was writing, and he was like, why? You know, so where that it they, is, it's so that they wouldn't have a gun. Bro. Yeah, it's so that they wouldn't have to have a gun against it. You know, like they needed some sort of narrative construction to prevent them from. And that's shooting. fantastic. It's a great like. I mean, that's like that's the best part of the whole thing is yeah. that you know. Aliens. Let's let's take away humans. Let's take your technology away from you. Yeah, and let's see. You Reactor's your... gonna blow. Can't shoot. Exactly. You can't shoot it with small round can't fire it because it's gonna burn d- through. She the does shit. end up like firing guns down there later on. Like she does. Oh, like, she doesn't give a shit by that point. Oh, she yeah. didn't give a fuck by yeah. that point. <laughs> it's yeah. like we'll just shoot it and but get out of here. Isn't that also great? The just the raising the stakes of everything. It's like they go, they get their butts kicked. They mm. and then they lose their their APC and they've only got like fifty rounds left and a couple of pulse rifles and a half full you know yeah, flamethrower. Yeah, yeah. They actually, they and then actually they catalog to, it. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they go to med lab and it's mm. like um, you know oh it's all bad and then it's like hey look out the window there's going to be a nuclear explosion <laughs> yeah. in four <laughs> hours. <laughs> It's the t- like, oh the, my god! The ticking clock on this film is so good, and yeah. I do love that Ripley duct tapes two weapons together. Yes, yeah, like that yes, she does. But, but it's great is that she just learned to use that weapon a few like. But like they set up minutes. her learning to they, exactly. Yeah, they set yeah, up. They didn't just make her like and they made Rambo it straight away. Yeah, it's funny. I was. Thinking I like their James, relationship. James Cameron is the only guy that think would firing guns would be foreplay. You know, like there's there's no. Oh, reason. I think Michael Bay's probably in that camp. Well, no, but he'd have her naked, bent over a car or something first. But I there think. would still be guns, and Bumblebee would probably be filming it. Right. <laughs> uh, in the movie, you'd see Bumblebee filming. Transformers, the porno. I mean, that's basically what it's turned into now, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, guys, let's do final thoughts. Let's do because we've. I mean, we're all pretty much there. Let's do one sentence final thoughts for Aliens, and I'll let Shahir go first, and then I'll go. Then you guys can finish it up. Love it better than most action movies that I've seen in the last 10 years. There we go. Uh, I think the amount of restraint it shows even for the time is wonderful. And I wish more big budget stuff that had stuff under its belt could actually show that restraint to make their big moments feel bigger. 
Aliens, there is no finer movie. Wow. <laughs> For me. <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Kane, eat your hat out. <laughs> um, Aliens, the movie that keeps growing with you. Okay. In your chest. In your chest, and eventually it'll burst out. <laughs> well, internet, this has been the only podcast about the films, or the film, well, actually, I guess films, because we, we talked about, about all of them, but Aliens, with an S, specifically, dollar sign. Yeah. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was Thank awesome you. having thanks you. Having yes. When you're not crawling out of the goddamn walls, where can folks find you? Ooh, you can find me on NigelStanford.com. Where you'll see uh, Automatica, Cymatics, all the behind the scenes, and all is of that, your music. Is that the best place to find Automatica? Yeah, you'll find Automatica there, my albums. You could download them, listen to them, stream them. If you felt so inclined, that'd be cool. And you should. <laughs> and you should. You should, you should, I want, you should do a re, re-scoring of Aliens. I think that would be really interesting. Well, you know, Whoa, another, yeah. another yeah. small anecdote is I feel like I must have ripped a bit of the score off when I, I scored this other movie, Timescapes, uh, a oh, few years copy, back. And copyright and Don't there's, tell them yeah, that. Copyright it's, lawyers, please just tune out right now. <laughs> there's no, nothing to see here. Uh, but yeah, like the, the score is great. I would love Beautiful to hear score. your score. You you rescore aliens. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> Timor, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at timorsavon.com, uh, probably best place. And you know the usual. How do you spell it? Just for T I M U R C I V A N, and then uh, Timor Savon at Twitter, Timor Savon at Instagram. You're all you're all combined. I yeah. like. Oh that. yeah. Well, that's what happens when you have a weird fucking name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you like, can get Google. it everywhere. Yeah, it's like let's see, Gmail. Oh, available. oh it's free. <laughs> Instagram available. Done. <laughs> Twitter available. Nice. Speaking of weird names, shahirdad.com <laughs> is where you can find me. That's S H A H I R D A U D. You'll find Automatica on there as well, and a bunch of other stuff that I've done. And you can also find me at MatthewKroll.com. That's K-R-O-L. Uh, I guess they cut it off when my Polish ancestors came to Ellis <laughs> Island from Krolomanowalinski. Uh, you can also find me at Skeletor the Number 4 P-R-E-Z on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. And yeah, guys, thank you so much for writing in to OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com and also uh, for iTunes reviews. If you guys want to drop us some more of those, we always love seeing them. We prefer five, but we'll take as many stars as you're willing to give us. Just one star is Need, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye.